Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Is It Worth It? Cinema at Home. Presented by Ranjit Namra. Hello and welcome to Is It Worth It? Cinema at Home. I'm your host, Ranjit Nanra, and today I'm joined by Craig Fields. Hello. How you doing, Craig? Yeah, not too bad. It's been a really busy day, but it's uh, really nice to be finally sitting down with you and recording the second episode of, of Cinema at Home. Yeah, it's been a while. We've been very busy, the both of us, so uh, hoping to uh, make this a bit more frequent. But um, yeah, but in the meantime, I've been watching some films at home. You have indeed. Yeah. What, um, what have you got coming up for us then? So today we're going to have a chat about El Camino, You Were Never Really Here, Kong Skull Island, Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy. Cool. I've selected a couple as well to talk about. Uh, Old Man and the Gun, Colette, Boy Erased. Uh, they're the few that I've gonna, I'm going to bring to the table today. Sounds good. Cool. Uh, do you want to kick off then with El Camino? Yeah. So El Camino, in the wake of his dramatic escape from captivity... Jesse must come to terms with his past in order to forge some kind of future. This gripping thriller is written and directed by Vince Gilligan, the creator of Breaking Bad. So, Craig, I was chatting to you earlier and you said you haven't seen Breaking Bad, have you? I mean, I've, I saw maybe three seasons um, yeah. and then I stopped. Um, I don't know if it was because I got bored or if it was because I just hadn't, I just forgot to carry on watching. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I know it's supposed to be an absolutely sensational um, series, and it was from what I will remember, remember watching. Um, some great acting, um, sensational acting. But I, I just, I just haven't picked it up again. Basically, yeah. I think, um, I think if you're gonna now is the best time to do it. We've got. Uh, Better Call Saul going on, and now we have El Camino. So is uh, Better Call Saul, is that finished? Better Call Saul is still going. Okay. Um, I think there's still a couple of seasons left to go. I think we're going into season four, I believe. Okay. Um, and that is set before the before Breaking Bad. It's a prequel to Breaking Bad. But it has a few scenes, uh, a few sort of flash-forward scenes, which show you what happens, what happens to Saul, where he is now. So in, in continuity, where he is now. Um, but uh, I would say if you're going to... Watch Better Call Saul. I would say watch Breaking Bad first, then go into Better Call Saul because you'll you'll miss a few references and a few characters will be lost on you. So I think that's the best way to go okay. about it. And then El Camino comes after you've seen all of those. Then yeah, so El Camino picks up directly after the end of Breaking Bad. So do not watch El Camino if you haven't seen Breaking Bad. Okay, um, but this film is absolutely incredible. So, like I said, this is written and directed by Vince Gilligan, the, the creator of Breaking Bad. Yep. And he also worked on one of my favourite shows of all time, The X-Files. So, <laughs> this has Aaron Paul reprising his role as Jesse Pinkman. And it has the same Breaking Bad flavour, which Breaking Bad fans love. As in, When I say that, I mean it has the same slow build, slow tension, yep. just very, you know, you just, you're able to just sort of soak in the... The, the tension and the atmosphere that, that Vince Gilligan is uh, brilliant at, at directing. Um, Jesse, uh, Aaron Paul's performance, I should say, is, <laughs> his, is honestly is one of his best. Um, yep. He really does, he was born to play this character. Uh, this character is someone who's just had a completely tragic life and a lot of bad stuff has happened to him. And, you know, you really do feel it at the end of the Breaking Bad when he, oh, well, I won't say what happens, but... but 
you know, there's one moment where you really do feel everything, you know, all, all the stuff he's been through coming out. And this is, I feel like this was the perfect end to Jesse's story because his story was left on a on an open ending and this film is the perfect end to his story. Yeah. So what I recall from the TV series is that there was another character. Yeah. Um, the teacher. I yeah. can't remember his name. Walter White. That's it, Walter yeah. White. Um, he, is he in this or is he not in this? Uh, or is that, a, is that a spoiler? Yeah, okay. I don't really want to say I mean, I've seen I... trailers and yeah. he, he is in the trailer. Isn't uh, he? No, he wasn't any. No, not in any of the. So shows. maybe that was a flashback then to yeah. the end of Breaking Bad yeah. from what I was seeing. Then. Possibly, yeah. But it was definitely some kind of trailer that I saw. I don't know, mate. Actually, no. okay. Uh, I don't remember seeing many trailers, so I don't know. Maybe you're right. Yeah, maybe just a flashback of maybe a recap of Breaking Bad or something that you saw. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, so you get uh, Aaron Paul returning. You also get uh, Robert Forster returning, uh, who tragically passed away. Like I think the day that. This film came out onto oh, Netflix. Really? Yeah, yeah. Did Legendary actor. Um, you get uh, Larry Hankin re- uh, reprising his role as, as old Joe, um, but but you also get these really, really unique, uh, really sort of obscure references. But but the way Vince Gilligan, Vince Gilligan does it is by shots. There's a shot of um, Jesse Pinkman, Jesse Pinkman holding a beetle, and that's a reference to a shot in an earlier season where he did the same thing. And there's there's loads of incredible just you know after you watch this film you want to go you want to do a deep dive back into breaking bad which is how i felt so i want you know i'm going to start watching breaking bad again and sort of sort of pick up on things that i missed in el camino and then maybe rewatch el camino again at the end mm. so is, there's lots of subtle references to, to yeah. breaking bad in there yeah okay and then you get um you get todd so jesse plemons is reprising his role as todd and todd is absolutely evil and <laughs> he he plays this role brilliantly he's just so so menacing and just so subtle in his uh he's just he makes your skin crawl this he plays the role so well he's he's actually a fantastic actor. he really is he's um a lot of people call him the fake matt damon don't they yeah um <laughs> but i really liked him in um one of the black mirror episodes the one that was like okay. a star trek ripoff i don't know if you've seen it no I watch mirror. that he yeah. is brilliant in that he's yeah. sensational and if you haven't seen black mirror um definitely worth watching all seasons of it is on on netflix as well cool yeah, yeah i, I want to check that out um but yeah I'll, I'll say this is a worthy addition to the breaking bad universe um it is a brilliant wrap-up to jesse's story um and if you haven't seen it yet definitely check it out but also you know I would say maybe go back and watch Breaking Bad again, and then go into this film. Mm-hmm. I wish I did that. I haven't seen the, I haven't seen Breaking Bad in a while, so I missed a few things. But now I want to go rewatch Breaking Bad and then finish off with the film again. Yeah, yeah. I think what I'll do, I'll probably slowly work my way through the rest of Breaking Bad. I'll yeah. probably start again, to be honest with you, and give yeah. it another good go. Yeah, it will take me a long time since I see everything in the cinema, even the bad ones. So yeah. you don't have to. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I will certainly give it a watch once I've I've seen the rest of Breaking Bad. Then cool. What's next? Cool. Um, so next, I just want to mention um, Netflix has added "You Were Never Really Here," and this is again an absolutely incredible film. This is star. This stars Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, some of you may know him as Joker at the moment. Uh, <laughs> directed by Lynn Ramsey, and again, so I'll give you a little synopsis. Um, when a teenage girl goes missing, a jaded, brutal enforcer attempts a rescue mission. He uncovers corruption and abuse of power along his way. And again, you, you know what you're getting with Joaquin Phoenix. You get, you're going to get a transformation. You're going to get a, a locked-in performance. And yep. this is a performance like no other. He perfectly embodies someone who has suffered some serious traumatic events as a child. 
and he's yeah. a war veteran in the film as well and he, he expresses that with very minimal dialogue it's just yeah. a lot of a lot of body language and a lot of brutal brutal violence in this film it's it's a film that's almost unbearable to watch at points he is a sensational physical actor Mm -hmm. and really gets himself into all of the characters that he plays and this was one of my favorite films of last year in fact i think it was my favorite film of last year um lynn ramsey is such a brilliant director she's a really wonderful writer as well and this really puts her up there as like one of those top emerging brilliant fantastic directors and writers um it's got a really great soundtrack this movie um david was obsessed with it Mm. for a long time and i think he still listens to it now i still listen to it it's on my playlist i listen to it in my car quite a fair bit it's certainly a very traumatic film and it's quite um it's quite bloody and a bit gory but at the same time it's a real mental kind of thriller really yeah uh and it's got some sensational cinematography in it as well uh like really amazing beautiful camera work really beautiful lighting and they all go hand in hand with the story as well that's being told it's not everything has its place essentially yeah Nothing is out. Nothing is done just for the sake of looking beautiful, or yeah. sounding beautiful. It all impacts the story and the mental state of what he's going through. You see everything through his eyes, yeah. And yeah, that's what I really loved about. The yeah, film. it is directed almost flawlessly. It is it is incredible? And you were just saying to me earlier that is for some reason it was overlooked at the Oscars. It wasn't really nominated for anything. I think it's first. Of, I think a reason for that is budget. Yeah. Trying to get the film in front of as many of the um, uh, people who nominate these films for awards, um, Oscar people, I don't know what you mm-hmm. call them, uh, David would know the word, um, uh, it's, dif- it's difficult. Yeah. And I think that was one of the reasons why it was probably overlooked. Um, it, Joaquin Phoenix was nominated for a BAFTA for this. Um, I don't think he won the award, um, but definitely overlooked a his performance yeah you know it was i would have said this performance was better than joker yeah i think i can agree with that um he hasn't been nominated for an oscar yet because the nominees haven't been mentioned or haven't been said yet or haven't been released yet but i think he'll probably get an oscar for joker and i think it's because they can get that in front of a a lot of oscar voters the problem that i have is that this performance was better than joker and i don't like the fact that this got overlooked at at the oscars it's really really annoyed me and really bugged me because it was so worthy so worthy and it makes me sad and again it's another physical transformation as well for joaquin phoenix he's he's just he's just so locked into his roles and it's yeah you're right it's a shame that he was overlooked for for this do you also think maybe it was the the subject matter of the film that maybe the oscar voters weren't really too fond of i don't know because We'll have to wait and see for Joker as well, because again, Joker is a really, really strong subject matter and one that could um, make it be overlooked in some regards, possibly in certain places such as uh, Best Picture. Performance-wise, you can't really overlook that, but if if he does get overlooked, it's because of the subject matter and because of how they handled it and how they pushed it into the realms of very non-Hollywood in in a way. It's looking at a subject matter of mental health and what happens when you basically overlook yeah. mental health conditions yeah. and, and mistreat people who have these mental health conditions. What could happen? Mm. And I think that's a subject matter that is really 
a delicate subject, especially for Oscars. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Cool. All right. So moving on, um, Netflix have also added Kong Skull Island. So a synopsis for this is scientists, soldiers and adventurers unite to explore a mythical uncharted island in the Pacific Ocean. Cut off from everything they know, they venture into the domain of the mighty Kong, igniting the ultimate battle between man and nature. As their mission of discovery soon becomes one of survival, they must fight to escape from a primal world where humanity does not belong. Okay, I want to start off by saying I absolutely love this film. <laughs> I know there are so many flaws with this film, but yeah. I love it. I love it because I just love the monster violence. I love the, the, the CGI. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I think it's really strong in this film. Um, and I like that it, break, it broke the conventions of, a, of all the Kong films we've seen before. There wasn't the whole Kong, you know, weirdly falling in love with a human woman. There's none of that. <laughs> Which is bizarre, to be yeah. honest with you. So... I really liked what the the way they the way they took this film. Yeah, and um, it's got a really great cast. You've got Brie Larson, Tom Hiddleston, Samuel Jackson, John Goodman, and John C. Riley, who I think is one of the most underrated actors of all time. Yeah, one hundred percent. He's so good in this film. He's so funny in this film. So sort of tragically funny in this film. Like, I really like him in this film. And um, yeah, but I think if it has the same problem that a lot of these uh, these these monster films have is that there's too many characters too many human characters this was what we talked about on uh godzilla yeah yeah um the latest godzilla film king of monsters yeah um we talked about how that failed in terms of having too many things going on and uh i can't quite remember actually can you remember yeah i think it just like it just unnecessarily complicates the story when it doesn't need it it's you know we're paying a ticket to go watch monsters beat beat each other up like, yeah you know that's all we want and i don't i don't know why they they've made the same mistake twice with this and godzilla king of monsters with the with too many human characters i don't know why they do that it's strange it, it what it needed was a very basic human element running through it yeah. rather than having multiple relationships and yeah. really strange complicated yeah human who is like one minute a good guy and the next minute a bad guy and it was just so over the top and so ridiculous you did just want to see the monsters just fight and kill each other um but saying that there's another one i brought up the imdb page so you can have a look at it okay this is definitely happening godzilla versus kong 2020 you're looking forward to this aren't you i can't wait i love my monster films i'm you know Jurassic Park is my favorite film of all time, so I think that's where this this obsession of mine starts from. Yeah, but um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to uh, Godzilla versus Kong. They plant a few seeds in this film, and they did also. There's a mention of Kong in uh, Godzilla King of Monsters. So, yep. and Godzilla King of Monsters didn't do that well financially, I believe. But I think they're still going ahead with God- Godzilla versus Kong. There haven't there hasn't been any announcements of any sort of cancellation on the project. So no, yeah. and looking at the IMDb page, there are um, stars attached to it at the yeah. minute. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown is going to be reprising her role as uh, Madison Russell. Um, we don't know who Alexander Skarsgård is going to be going to be playing, or Skarsgård, sorry. Uh, Rebecca Hall is going to be back in it. She was definitely in the last film, wasn't she? Yeah, she definitely was in the last film, um, in the Godzilla one. She played one of the scientists. Didn't she? I can't remember. It was definitely her. No, it wasn't her. No, it wasn't her. I'm thinking of Sally Hawkins. Uh, Sally Hawkins. Yeah. They look very similar. Yeah. They're both British. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so Rebecca Hall is going to be a new character in it. Yeah. Cool. Um, so it's got a fairly decent cast. Yeah, Kyle Chandler's coming back. I love Kyle Chandler. He's, he's brilliant. Um, but yeah, um, Kong, Skull Island, 
definitely t- um you know if you've got a minute at home just go watch it a minute <laughs> play it at like five times speed yeah. <laughs> um get a good sound system on it's one of those films where you can like invite some friends over just have a good time and watch it yeah um but yeah definitely check out Kong the sky island cool cool what have you got next then? so we're going to move over to amazon prime now and for some reason, Amazon Prime have added Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy to their streaming Ooh, service. I wonder why they've done that. <laughs> so this is obviously um, in order to capitalise on the popularity of Joker. And I think this is brilliant because if you've just watched Joker mm. and you want to see where the inspirations come from, definitely check these two films out. Because Joker takes a lot of the, the storylines and character moments from this film. And it's, it's, Joker is sort of a mishmash of both of these films. Um so taxi driver is also it's about a uh, uh, taxi driver is about a taxi driver. Um, <laughs> he's sort of fed up with the criminals in New York, and he decides to take action on his own. Um, he encounters a thirteen-year-old or twelve-year-old, I can't remember, prostitute played by Jodie Foster. Mm. Um, and then you know it's it's one of the most iconic and you know legendary films from director Martin Scorsese. Um, and a brilliant performance from both Jodie Foster, who was so young at the time. I think she must have been at least 12, or probably was 12 at the time. Yeah. And um, again, from one of the best performances of all time from Robert, from Robert De Niro. And uh, yeah, definitely, if you've just watched Joker or you're planning to watch Joker, maybe watch these beforehand. Yeah. And uh, again, I uh, also want to mention The King of Comedy. So again, that's Robert De Niro, Martin Scorsese. Um, and it's about a comedian who hasn't had his big big break yet so his way of getting his big break is um is to kidnap the ho- this host that he idolizes yeah um and similar to the way joker did it in uh, in joker and uh yeah so I, was, I would say definitely watch these two films two of martin scorsese's best films two films with similar themes throughout um but it feels like an amalgamation of of both the films yeah. for Joker, yeah, and they, yeah. they they have clearly heavily influenced the film. Yeah, um, and obviously Robert De Niro is in Joker as mm-hmm. well, and it almost feels like they're very connected. It's yeah. almost like the same universe, especially with King and Comedy. Yeah, um, it's it's um, it's strange that they've gone down this route um, for Joker, simply because you're as a, as a DC fan, yeah, you wouldn't link them to these films yeah not at all it's an origin story that's really been pushed it's pushed the boundaries of origin films for sure yeah i don't know i think it'd be interesting to see what effect joker has on the superhero landscape mm. it'd be, like, i wonder if dc will go ahead with more villain orientated films um but uh yeah joker definitely has taken a lot of inspiration from these two films and there's even points in joker where he's wearing similar clothes as a reference to robert robert pupkin in uh the king of comedy yeah um, but I think that's I think that's also one of my crit- criticisms of jo- of Joker. I felt like it was a way for Todd Phillips to sort of remake his version of these two films, yeah. But just throw in Joker in there and almost pay homage as yeah. well. And he's almost like worshiping Martin Scorsese, yeah. in a way, yeah, because he was meant to produce the Joker, wasn't he? Well, Martin. Yeah. Uh, well, he was supposed to be directing it. Apparently, he was oh. attached to it at one okay. point, um, directing it very briefly, yeah. and then just completely disappeared out of it. Yeah. Um, and I think Todd Phillips is definitely paying homage yeah. in a big way there. Yeah. Without now Mike Scorsese hates anything Marvel or DC, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, that was some really strange news that just seemed to spiral out of yeah. control with everyone else get, sort of jumping on the bandwagon that yeah. are, you know, great auteurs, but just sort of 
I don't know, just hating upon these films, but these are the bread and butter now. Yeah, unfortunately. True. Yeah, it's a different time now. But um, yeah, so if you've got Amazon Prime, check out these two films. And I think now is the time to watch them as well because yeah. of the success of Joker. Um, I think in my opinion, I prefer Taxi Driver just slightly slightly above King and Comedy. Um, I think that's just because for me, it's just it's just a bit more iconic and I think yeah. I enjoy the the themes in that film a lot more than I do for King Comedy. Yeah. Um, I think, I think uh, Travis Bickle, who the character Robert De Niro plays in Taxi Driver, is one of the most iconic characters in movie history. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. So, yeah, definitely check those two films out. Would you say watch Joker first or watch these first? I would say watch these first. Yeah. I would see... Yeah, I would say watch these two first and then watch Joker if you haven't seen it already and mm. sort of... So you, you'll be able to enjoy Joker in a different way, I think. You'll be able to see different things in Joker and, you know, it might it might formulate a different opinion. Because mm, yeah. it is still playing in the cinema it, a little bit. I yeah, think it's yeah. going out ever so slightly now. But. Yeah, I think I think we will have it for a while. Um, I mean, it's going to cross a billion worldwide soon, so... You That's know. a lot of money. Yeah, maybe around Oscar time they might bring it back in. Um, like they did with a, the Star is Born. Yeah, I think there's a lot possibly. of buzz Especially in IMAX screens, it probably will bring it back in. Yeah, that'd yeah. be good. That'd be good. Uh, what else is there? Is that all of the ones that you've done? Yeah, so that's what that was my list. Okay, so going on to my list then. Um, there's a couple that I'd like to mention. Um, Old Man and the Gun being the first one. Uh, that is now on Now TV. Um, so this was supposed to be Robert Redford's final film uh, before he quit uh, being yeah. an actor. Um, and... Uh, it wasn't his last film I'll give you that um, he was in Endgame wasn't he yeah a little small film called Endgame yeah. a little one yeah. uh, that made a lot of uh, you know pennies at the, <laughs> at the box office uh, no so I mean Old Man and the Gun was a real homage to Robert Redford yeah. in a way even though he was playing a, a main character in the film um, David Lowry did a really good job at writing and directing this movie and it's about a an old man who uh, based on the true story um, of Forrest Tucker, uh, who has the audaciousness to escape from prison multiple times, uh, but once at the age of 70, uh, and then cause a string of heists um, that just completely confounded the uh, authorities uh, and seemed to enchant the public um, after it was sort of broadcast on TV. And people kind of sort of praised him as a bit of a hero almost yeah. for doing it. Um, it stars Casey Affleck as well, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, they, they've the, the two people. So Casey Affleck's a cop, and Robert Redford is obviously the uh, the the the, the uh, heist or the the thief, I yeah. suppose. Um, but they they have some really good emotional scenes in the film, um, and they really bounce off each other as well. Um, definitely worth checking out if you've got Now TV. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's it's definitely especially for Robert Redford's final lead performance. I yeah. suppose I haven't seen it, but that I didn't. I had no idea what it was about. But that synopsis sounds brilliant. I yeah. really want to check this out. It's it's a really fun and emotionally sad performance, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and uh, definitely one that is certainly worth checking out. Um, next up, Colette. Colette is now on streaming services. Um, let me just double check which one it is on. I think it was on Amazon Prime. So no, it's on it's on Netflix. Um, and uh, David and I reviewed this um, probably about six or seven months ago. It was recently. It was it was this year, um, and we both really thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It was maybe slightly too long at one hour fifty one, which 
you know, if you're going to watch it at home, um, you can't really dip in and out of it. But I would certainly really recommend watching it. Why? Well, because it's about a female protagonist uh, played by Kira Knightley, um, who is sort of the push the boundaries in terms of females writing. Um, she was sort of being pushed into writing a book, ghost written or ghost writer book, um, which her husband, it was published under her husband's name, who was a big author, very famous, but lost lots of money. um, And she was the brains behind the organization, basically. Um, And she finally had the audaciousness to say, no, these are my stories. These are my books. These are based on me. Um, And she became very, um, uh, a female, um, trying to think of the word almost a bit of a hero really in in Paris and uh, women would cut their hair like her you know she was very famous because of what she did Um, and it was the film's not preachy in the way that it tells the story at all it's done in a really 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 good way Um, it's based on the true story as well and it's directed by Wash Westmoreland, um, and it's uh, yeah stars Kira Knightley, Fiona Shaw, um, Dominic West as well, who plays Willie, who was her husband in the film. I remember doing the review because all I kept saying was Willie, um, <laughs> and that, that to David's uh, satisfaction. <laughs> um, but no, this was definitely a really really good performance from Kira Knightley, and uh, worth seeing just for that as well, and for Dominic West actually, because I thought he was really good in the film as well. Uh, so that is on Netflix if you um haven't seen it already definitely check that out um and then another film that's just come on to now tv and it's uh boy erased now david this he is loved, well, yeah. yeah he really loved this film i think this was his favorite of last year um i think it was last year yeah it must have yeah. been last year um it's directed by joel edgerton um and he also wrote and adapted the the memoirs um, of the same name, Boy Erased. And it's about a uh, son of a Baptist preacher um, played by Lucas Hedges. And he is basically gay um, and he struggles to come to terms with that. But it's more his family coming to terms with that, especially his father, who sends him off to a gay conversion program and, after he sort of forcibly outed by his own parents. Uh, Nicole Kidman plays his mum, Russell Crowe plays his father, and uh, it's a sensational performance from Lucas Hedges. It's a sensational performance and direction from Joel Egerton. Uh, Russell Crowe is amazing in it as well, and so is Nicole Kidman. So you have four outstanding performances and a really amazing story, and one that isn't preachy at all. It looks at both sides of the um, of, of the story in terms of the gay conversion side and right. doesn't push it too hard on that side, but it still shows you the true nature almost of it. It looks at the other side with, with uh, Lucas Hedges' character being gay and, and not sort of sidelining that at all. It's really very strong character development on one, on both sides of the story. And, um, for someone like David, who is a, a strong Christian, he came to the story and, and thought it was just really well done. And um, obviously, gay conversions are wrong, yeah. um, but it doesn't it doesn't analyse it in a way that makes it seem like the people that are doing it are bad people. They're doing it because they believe this is right, yeah. and it, it it doesn't alienate you from those people. It just gives you a, a 
a vision or a side of the story and and gives you you know make up your own mind almost you know we know a lot of us know it's wrong but for those who are maybe on the other side of the story who believe that this is they believe that being gay is wrong um or can't come to terms with what it what what is going on it doesn't push that too hard yeah it does it in a way that you know you get both sides essentially i think i'm trying to get that right and i don't want to step on the on some red tape here or anything but yeah it's done really really well it's i haven't seen this film but this sounds incredible it sounds it sounds like i was going to ask you does it have a balanced view and you and you just said basically yes that's basically what i was trying to get it has a very balanced view you don't really see that a lot of times especially in films with this sort of subject matter <laughs> My Siri has basically <laughs> somehow turned on um, something about brandy. Weird, <laughs> but um, I was just going to say that uh, Joel Edgerton is one of the most talented people in Hollywood right now. I believe. I think I can't wait to see what else he's going to come up with in terms of directing. Yeah, he's also a brilliant actor, and the same with Lucas Hedges. His career is just going to be so good. I can't. I, I love almost everything he's in. He was brilliant in Manchester by the Sea. It was quite a small role in there, but yeah incredible in that film and he's, he's always he's always incredible he's gonna be starring in uh honey boy which yeah. is written by shia labeouf yeah um and i believe it's a look at shia labeouf's like past right. it's it's a almost like an autobiography story autobiographical story about his childhood and his mental state as he's grown up being in the eyes um and working on different films and tv shows and apparently Honey Boy is going to be sensational and I really can't wait for that yeah. to come out. It's coming out in the UK fairly soon. We are going to be getting a cinematic release of it. Yeah. Um, it did look like it was going to be quite a small release, but I think it's going to be in, in quite a few cinemas. That's great. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. and I'm looking forward to seeing Lucas Hedges in, yeah. in that main role. Um, and I think that is all the ones that I wanted to talk about as well. So that's it. Cool. Wow. Yeah. That is uh, that's Cinema at Home. Thank you for listening to episode two of Cinema at Home. If you've seen any films on a streaming service that you'd like to recommend to us, then there are a few ways to get in contact with us. Craig, what's the email address? The email address is mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. That email address again, because it is quite long, is mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. You can visit the website, isitworthitpodcast.com, where we have all our social links and a link to our email address, if you've forgotten it already. <laughs> we will take a deep dive look into all the films being released on Apple TV+, Plus, as well as Disney+, Plus when we finally get it in March 2020. So thank you very much for listening to Cinema at Home.